one. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the newest episode of the FTD pod. It's a uh, it's been a while, been quite some time, been a few months. Um, I'm Zach back here, joined once again by Tyler. Wouldn't wouldn't want it any other way. Tyler's back with me. Tyler, how have you been? Hey, it's good to. Uh, it, it felt uh, it felt a little weird me and uh, Jason taking over the uh, the draft one. So I'm uh, I'm happy once. Not that Jason wasn't great, but I'm happy to uh, to be back on here with you again. <laughs> um, for people that don't know, I had a busy busy couple of months uh, the past past few months, October and November, and uh, trying to get back into the swing of things. So Tyler's going to join me today. We're going to recap quickly the 2021 season and playoffs that we just went through and then also touch on the offseason and give some thoughts on uh, all the trades and uh, Rule 5 drafts and free agent signings and whatnot and kind of uh, roll right into maybe our season previews that will come up shortly after this pod. Um, Tyler, are you ready to get into it? Let's do it. All right, so we're going to start with the 2021 season recap. And uh, I know Tyler and I both made some predictions last year for our, our season preview pods for each division. And uh, Tyler's going to be so generous to kind of refill everybody in, remind everybody how we did. I'm sure I'm sure there are some real head scratchers in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll start with the American League East, where the Boston Red Sox came out on top, 96 wins. Um, another terrific season for Brian and the Red Sox. And we'll touch on his postseason accomplishments shortly. Uh, Tampa Bay Rays come up in second with 94 wins. New York Yankees third, 90 wins. Great division, top-heavy, very top-heavy. Um, all three of those teams make the postseason. Toronto comes in fourth with 71. And then Baltimore uh, still in the rebuilding phase, uh, 50 wins at the bottom of the AL East. Uh, Tyler, how do we do in this division? Uh, this was one of our better ones. Um, we, we had, we had five through three, right. I think, um, we expected a little more from Toronto thought they'd be around a a 500 teams. I know we had discussions around them having four teams above 500. Um, but we had, we had Orioles, Blue Jays, Yankees, right. We did swap at the top, the Rays in Boston, but, um, that was a, I mean, Hey, two games separating them. That was a, uh, we were pretty close there and, um, I was happy to see that we started off on a good note, at least. Yeah, I mean, this was we we knew it was going to be a good division going into yep. the season, and uh, the the top three teams they didn't disappoint. Maybe a little bit of disappointment from Toronto, but the, the top three teams very top heavy. Um, and and looking back on it, I mean, it, coming off that twenty twenty run that Boston had, maybe it was a little ill advised to go against them coming into mm-hmm. the year. But uh, fun division. Uh, and I think it'll be much of the same for 2022 coming up. Um, but yeah, it looks like we, we nailed this one for the most part. Pretty, pretty solid. I'm not sure how our AL central predictions uh, <laughs> went, but I'm sure you'll remind me Cleveland oh, yeah. finishes on top 102 wins. Uh, they're the second best team in the American league. They, they run away with the division. Kansas city comes in second with 86 wins. Detroit Tigers third with 83 wins. Chicago White Sox in fourth with 70 wins, and then Minnesota um, bringing it up the rear, 64 and 98 on the season. How do we do in this division? Uh, not as well. Not as well. <laughs> we uh, we were correct with Cleveland at the top, so we we are one for one there. The rest we kind of made uh, a little bit of a mess of, and I think this was coming right out of we had the we had the off season, or you and Hayden had done the off season pod and. Um, we talked a little bit about how the Royals didn't make any moves and we were surprised and all this stuff. And we put the Royals in fifth and they go out there and finish second in the division. So a little <laughs> bit of a, a misfire from us there. We had the Tigers in fourth. They have a really nice season finishing third. Um, we, we expected the twins to fall off from their great uh, year the year before at, when they finished in first. Uh, we put them down in third, but they fall all the way to fifth in the division. And then, um, I, I think we expected a little more from the, the young up and coming White Sox and they really didn't deliver. So we had them in second. And they came in fourth. Yeah. Uh, disappointing year for the White Sox for sure. Um, pretty happy to see the, the Royals and Tigers turn in the seasons that they did um, and kind of shocked, honestly, on, on the Royals front. Uh, like like Agreed. you touched on, I do remember mentioning that, you know, they sat still all off season. And uh, they, they turned in that big time turnaround, 86 wins. That's that's quite an accomplishment for that Kansas City ball club. 
moving on to the AL West, the LA Angels, 104 wins, uh, best team in the American League during the regular season, uh, finishing two games ahead of the Cleveland Indians. Uh, Oakland Athletics come in second in that division with 82 wins. The Houston Astros come in third at 70 and 92. Texas Rangers fourth, a game behind Houston, 69 and 93. And then the Seattle Mariners, um, 61 and 101. Uh, how do how do we do here? We a hundred percent nailed it. So wow. um, yeah, it's it's don't get ready for any more of these. This is the only one that was <laughs> the case. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, we were pretty much all over it with uh, kind of the general strength. I think we expected this division to be a be- a little bit better as a whole. We expected these races to be, um, you know, maybe a little tighter between LA and Oakland at the top, and then the kind of the group of Houston and Texas to be maybe a little bit more around 500 teams, but um, in terms of order, we, we got it done. That That's awesome. I, I, I did not know that uh, coming into this. I, I wasn't <laughs> expecting us to nail anything, but that's awesome. Uh, LA, clearly the, the class of that division, like you said, I, I did think Oakland was going to have a little bit better of a season than they did. Um, a little bit disappointing there. Uh, let's move on to the National League, though, or – We'll touch on the NL East, which was a tough division in 2020. Very tough. Um, the Atlanta Braves win the division, 107 wins. They're the top team in the NL during the regular season. And then the Philadelphia Phillies come in second with 92 wins. The Mets in third with 85. The Nationals in fourth at 78 and 84. And then the Miami Marlins in fifth with a, a big-time improvement on the regular season, 71 and 91. How do we do in the NL East? Uh, another, another one we did a really good job with. Um, we, uh, we had the Braves and Phillies finishing one, two at the top and we had the Marlins in, uh, in fifth. The only swap was in the middle with the, the Mets and nationals. And I actually think that is, I think you might've gotten this correct. And I, ha- it was the only one that had the Mets and nationals swift flipped in the middle there. So, um, we were, we were pretty good on the, uh, on the NL East and what was a very good division. Yeah, and I'm looking at the final standings here, and I do remember talking on the, the the four team, the top four teams. We thought we were going to be very competitive, much like it was in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and then looking at the final standings, maybe there's a little bit bigger of a gap between each team, almost each of those top four teams, than I expected. I thought it would be a, a much more contested uh, division than it was. Um, from first to fourth place. I mean, Washington, seven games behind the Mets for third even. Uh, didn't see that coming. Agreed. And and 70 wins from the Marlins in a tough division was was very impressive for a team that, you know, didn't have very high expectations. Absolutely. Uh, moving on to the NL Central, where biggest surprise for me, for sure, the Milwaukee Brewers, um, they, they take the division at 94 and 68, knocking off the previous World Series champion, St. Louis Cardinals, who we'll touch on in a minute. The Pittsburgh Pirates, another shocking team, comes in second with 83 wins. And then the Cubs and Reds tied for third in the division was at 73 and 89. And then the St. Louis Cardinals, they go from World Series winners to dead last in the division at 71 and 91. How do we do here? Yeah, pretty safe to say we messed this up uh, pretty easily. I mean, we there was a lot of divisions where we predicted the teams that came in first to fall out. This was not one of them. We we thought the Cardinals would would win again, and obviously the exact opposite happens. They come in last. Um, everything else kind of fell right in line up the up the up the line. We had the Pirates coming in fourth, and they end up coming in second division. That's probably the biggest jump, but. Um, we have the Brewers there right behind the Cardinals. Um, we had the Cubs coming in third and then the Reds finishing fifth. So um, obviously the Cardinals dropping down and then the Pirates turning into a above 500 team are the biggest, biggest surprises in that division. Absolutely. And the Cardinals, uh, like I said, from World Series to dead last in the division, that's after an off season in which they spend the big money on Tetsuda Yamada um, and they come out and they score – 668 runs, third third lowest total in the National League. Pretty uh, pretty disappointing year in St. Louis. And then moving on to our final division, the NL West, where the LA Dodgers, uh, they, they take it once again. This time a little bit more cushion room compared to 2020 when it was neck and neck with the Colorado Rockies. 
Uh, L.A. wins 103 games, win the division by 12. Arizona Diamondbacks come in second at 91 and 71. San Diego Padres, they just missed that 500 mark. They finish at 80 and 82 in third. Colorado takes a big step back, finishing 70 and 92. And then San Francisco Giants, um, they, they round out the division with 67 wins. How do we do here, Tyler? Yeah, we the the Dodgers are a pretty easy call at the top, and uh, my Giants are a pretty easy call at the bottom. So we nailed those. Um, and, and the team that jumped up and surprised us was the Diamondbacks. We had them coming in fourth. They make the playoffs, come in second in division. Um, we had we had the Rockies actually dropping to third. They finished in fourth. I think we had higher hopes for um, the Padres and that young core. We had them coming in second. They just kind of had a average year battled some injuries there but um yeah diamondbacks definitely the surprise of the uh, of the nl west absolutely and uh i guess we'll, we'll just touch on uh the or i'm sorry we'll, we'll get your thoughts on the team with the most surprising season regular season um for 2021 uh yeah i was between two we both touched on um Kansas City, who we touched on in the in the AL, just because we re- we had them coming in last, we didn't expect much from them, and they put together a really good year. But I'm gonna go with Arizona, just because they they get in the postseason, um, in what's a very tough division, and the NL is very difficult as well um, to win 90 games, which um, has to be miles better. I think we touched on if they got to around 500, it'd be a good year. They absolutely blew away expectations, so. Um, Great year for for Austin, and I believe he deservingly so won uh, won GM of the year at the NL. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then, like you mentioned, Kansas City, it's a spectacular year as well. I did want to uh, shout out the Detroit Tigers, who took a big step forward that I did not see coming, especially with Miguel Cabrera tying up much of uh, that Detroit payroll and serving mm-hmm. no purpose on that roster. And then also in the National League, the Pittsburgh Pirates, who we did mention earlier, but uh, I, I always root for these teams that are, you know, they're they're at the bottom of the division one year and then they shoot back up in the next year unexpectedly almost it's it's a uh, very fun to see um but let's look at the opposite end of the spectrum here and we'll, we'll go to the most disappointing season given the expectations coming into the year who do, who do you got here yeah yeah i mean it's it's a pretty obvious one for me we just touched on them so no reason to harp on them and it's st louis going from uh going from from first to worst in that division there's a lot of first place teams we, we thought would take a step back and they did for the most part but um for teams that really really fell short of expectations it has to be st louis uh yeah i don't see how you can go any other way with this unfortunately uh for jonathan's cardinals it was just disappointing all around i mean i don't think there's anything that went right for the cardinals this off this past season except for jack flaherty for the most part um all right so we'll, we'll move away from the teams for a minute and we'll get into the individual awards. And we'll start with the American League MVP, where I think you had two two worthy candidates for sure uh, that you could make an argument for. And ultimately, Mike Trout wins the wins the award. Francisco Lindor, terrific season as well. Uh, any any thoughts on the AL MVP and another another one for Trout's uh, trophy case? Yeah, I I think Trout's a. Uh, a pretty clear winner for me. Lindor, obviously a really nice year, very deserving. Jordan Alvarez right there too, leading the league in, in homers and RBI. But um, yeah, it's uh, it was unreal. I think he had about a 40-point lead in, in on base, maybe a 100-point lead in OPS. So um, very clearly as, you know, the Angels are one of the better teams in the AL all year, that, that it's Mike Trout's award. Absolutely. And then we'll shift to the National League where – uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. wins the award, 23 years old. Obviously, big, big-time historic season. First player to go 50-50 and then 60-60 as well. Uh, Juan Soto and Cody Bellinger both had terrific seasons as well, but Acuna is kind of just on another level with that, those uh, historic numbers. Um, any shocks here? Yeah, no, no shocks. I, I, I thought it, I mean, it's a great year from Soto. It, in my eyes, it probably should have been unanimous for Acuna, 64 and 69. I think he finished at. So um, one, one of the better years I've seen from a player in, uh, in Sims and OTP. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. I thought it should have been unanimous, but hey, at least the voters got it right. Um, let's shift to the back to the American League. We'll talk Cy Young, where Shane Bieber takes the award. 
in my opinion, not much of a contest here. Any any thoughts on Shane Bieber? Yeah, I agree entirely. There were there were a bunch of solid performances around the around the AL, but um, Bieber a, a clear a clear winner for in my eyes as well. Absolutely, and then shift to the NL, and this was a, a big topic of de- debate with the the Cy Young Award. Walker Bueller takes it. Close, close competition here. Any, any thoughts on the NL Cy Young? Yeah, I know. I, I at least had a little back and forth um, on the message boards about it, and and I totally understood people feeling uh, feeling differently about about who should win. Um, Jack Flaherty, I, I think, was the ended up coming in second, but uh, but Degrom and Soroka both right there in terms of numbers. Um, in my eyes, it was kind of the advanced stats, the strikeouts, the Dodger success that pushed uh, Bueller over Flaherty for me. But it was a it was a pretty clear one too in my eyes. But um, Degrom and Soroka right there as well. Absolutely, I, I also went Bueller uh, number one. I think the voters got it right, even though uh, you can make a case I think for all four. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think the voters got it right with Walker Bueller. Let's shift to the postseason. We'll, uh, we'll give a quick quick recap. Uh, in the American League, the Yankees and Rays matched up in the wildcard game. The Yankees take that one. And then the National League, the Phillies advance in the wildcard game over the Diamondbacks. Um, the Yankees would advance to the division series to face the Angels, where the Angels dispose of them in four games. Opposite of them, Boston sweeps the Indians, which I, I uh, did not see coming. I, oh, no. I thought it would be a very good series. Um, Boston sweeps to advance to the ALCS and the NLDS. The Braves dispose of the Phillies and four. The Dodgers make quick work of the Brewers and four. And that set us up for a couple of uh, heavy, heavy hitters, right? In, the, in both championship series, the Angels and Red Sox in the AL, Braves, Dodgers in the NL. Any thoughts on the postseason to this point? Yeah, well, at first, uh, just first, I'd like to, t- we, so we, we picked the wild card as well. And in the AL, we got, four of the five teams right we had the a's instead of the yankees so we were pretty close there um okay and in, in the nl we we have the braves phillies and dodgers but we had the cardinals padres instead of the the brewers diamondbacks so um seven out of ten on on the playoff teams not terrible maybe not great but uh but a pretty good call i'd say from us there um I'm with you. The 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 exit from from Cleveland that uh, that quickly from a I mean that offense was bananas all season and um, you know obviously it's year two of seeing what Boston can do in the postseason but they uh, absolutely silenced them and that series was uh, was pretty easy for them to get through. Absolutely, I knew Cleveland was in trouble once uh, once Shane Bieber dropped his game. I was like, oh, this mm-hmm. this might be. This might be a sign of things to come, and, and Boston, they, they obviously didn't slow their their role throughout the whole postseason. Um, moving to the championship series, we get that Angels-Red Sox rematch, same same championship series that we had in 2020. This one, not as exciting. Uh, Boston um, controls the series, I'd say, throughout it. Uh, they, they dispose of the Angels in five. Any thoughts on that ALCS? Yep, I was I was excited for it as well. Um, expected it to be uh, be a little tighter, but uh, Boston had the had the juice in the postseason, obviously, and uh, and yeah, it was uh, it was not a not a very competitive one. Definitely, and then shifting to the NL, it was the opposite picture. the The series goes seven, my Atlanta Braves versus Josh's uh, LA Dodgers. Um, Braves were kind of they were shorthanded pitching. And we gave the Dodgers a good run. We sent it to seven, but ultimately, I think the uh, the right team won. Any thoughts on the NLCS? That's uh, that. Was, I mean, that was definitely the most fun. Not to discount the World Series we're about to touch on, but that was definitely the most fun uh, series of the postseason. I can't remember all the ins and outs, but there was a few deep extra inning games. It was um, very back and forth, and I mean, the clearly, I think the two best teams in the NL. So that was uh, that was a super fun one. Yeah, I think it was game one, uh, I, be- I believe, if my memory serves me correctly, uh, that went to 22 or 23 right. innings. It was, it was a long game, and that was one that the, the Braves had the lead in late in the uh, in regular innings, and they blew the lead, and then L.A. took it in, I think, the 23rd in- in- inning or something like that, and that was, a, that was a backbreaker. I mean, you get that one, and maybe it's a different series. You get the early sure. lead. 
Uh, move on to the World Series. We got the LA Dodgers versus the Boston Red Sox. Uh, Boston's second consecutive trip to the World Series, and obviously they get their first World Series title in FTD. And this this one, they they beat LA in six games. Um, congratulations to Brian. Do you have any thoughts on our 2021 World Series? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were they were right there a year ago. So um, that was uh, definitely. I mean, the Dodgers were were my preseason favorite to win it all. It's a it's just a, a very complete team. But um, yeah, Boston had the had the magic this postseason. Very well deserved. It's a very well built to built team. And um, shame on us for for elite, for even picking against them in the division. I suppose. Yeah. Um, and, and looking back on it, I don't know. I don't know how we did with the run that they went on in 2020. Um, and then obviously the 2021 run uh, proves us wrong. Um, but yeah, can't, like I said, congratulations to, to Brian and to Josh as well. A terrific season for him. Uh, I thought the LA pitching would fare a little bit better than they did the starting pitching. And uh, it just wasn't, wasn't it to be Boston, mm-hmm. like you said, on quite the role this postseason. All right, let's transition to the off season. We're going to, talk some trades and uh, free agency and whatnot. Um, but first, as with every offseason, uh, some stars say goodbye to the game. We, we lost a fairly fairly good amount of big names this offseason. Uh, oh, yeah. Zach Greinke, John Lester, uh, Justin Verlander on the pitching side, and then some sluggers on the, on the hitting side. Nelson Cruz, Ryan Braun, Miguel Cabrera, Edwin Encarnacion, Joey Votto, and then Nick Markakis as well. Um, some big names, obviously Verlander and Miggy Cabrera. They both get their number retired by the Detroit Tigers. Do you see the Hall calling any of these guys in five years? Uh, I mean, yeah, I think those two you just mentioned. I think I think Miggy and, and Verlander, Miggy probably uh, probably close to a first ballot guy in my eyes. Um, Verlander not far behind at all. But um, I guess yeah, big big congrats to to Nick for getting out of that contract. I guess first and first and foremost, I know he was that was kind of his big deal all season. So, um, congrats to him. I think Miggy and, and Verlander end up getting into the hall very easily. Um, that kind of that second tier of uh, uh, of Grinky and and Joey Votto is kind of an interesting one. I'll see how I'd like to see how that uh, kind of transpires. They're not obvious ones in my eyes, but. Um, very good careers, and and not to discount any of the other ones too, but it'll be interesting after uh, making Verlander, who's a, who ends up getting in. Yeah, I, I think you can make a case for Grunky and Votto both. Um, in what year it happens, I'm not sure. So that'll be that'll right. be fun to fun to follow years down the line. I mean, that's at least five years down the line. So we'll see what happens with them. Uh, best of luck in retirement, I guess, uh, virtual <laughs> retirement. And now we're going to shift to the trades and. Uh, I guess there's no no better place to start than Johnny's LA Angels, right? I mean they they kind of they kind of set the tone. Uh, the Angels trade season I have r- written down here eleven in total, eleven total <laughs> trades, and most of them were uh, maybe the first week or two of the off season. Um, the, he hit the ground running, it looked like a rebuild, but it turned into more of a retool, I think, with the with the players that he sent out and then acquired. Uh, some big names gone from his uh, previous bullpen, Corey Knable, Taylor Gilball, and Kirby Yates. And then he brings in uh, Matthew Boyd from his nemesis, Boston Red Sox, and then Marcel Ozuna again, as well as Zach Plesak and Rio Ruiz. Um, you like the L.A. offseason? Yeah, no, I mean, have some fun. I, I loved it. <laughs> it was uh, – that was that was super entertaining. Um they make those moves. They uh, we'll, we'll get into free agent signings, but they sign the big free agent shortstop as well, the uh, the international one. So, um, you know, I I really think they needed to to kind of look at the back end of that rotation behind um, Otani and and uh, and Canning at the top, and Boyd and Plesac are are kind of very nice, solid ads. So, um, liked what they did there. You, you touched on those three names leaving the pen. Those are. Um, that might be the only only hole left over from it, but they still have some nice names back there. Um, I know we touched on going into last season. We were uh, excited about Willie Calhoun in Texas, and he makes the midseason move to L.A. and has a nice season there. Um, 
I, I'm interested to see what ha- it looks like. He's going to back up Ozuna now, so it looks like it's another chip for him to to move and try to acquire some more talent. But um, very tough to follow in process. But looking at the <laughs> uh, the end result, I, uh, I I like what he did with the team. Yeah, and I, I thought it was interesting him acquiring Matthew Boyd from the Red Sox. Like I said, his his uh, postseason mm-hmm. nemesis there. I guess if you can't beat him, you got to subtract from him somehow, right? Um, so Boyd, Boyd will come across the country. He'll join that Angels rotation, and now he'll, he'll try to uh, do what the Angels couldn't do previously, and that's defeat his old team um, come October. Uh, I, I liked I liked the Angels offseason, and like you said, kind of hard to follow uh, maybe the, the big picture of things at certain times. But <laughs> yeah. in the end, end result, I think the Angels are probably still the class of that division. Um, it'll, it'll be fun to see how – this new core uh, gels with Trout and Bogards and Rendon and then obviously Otani as well. Uh, let's talk about the Indians Padres. They linked up for a pretty, pretty good trade. I thought uh, it kind of mm-hmm. reminded me of a hockey trade, you know, two for two uh, player for player, Michelle Baez and Jacob Nix go from the Padres to the Indians in exchange for Oscar Mercado and Jake Bowers. Uh, any thoughts on this deal? Yeah, it's a it's a pretty interesting kind of offense for for pitching swap. I, at least on first glance, I, I really like it for Cleveland. Um, that they, they had some some holes, especially with um, uh, the back end of that rotation. So um, interested to see how how if Baez will be used in the in the rotation or as a kind of a pin weapon. But Nick certainly will, um, and, and think they're both very good options to fill out uh, fill out their rotation. Uh, interested to see where where Mercado and uh, and Bowers kind of kind of fill out for the Padres. I, I, they I think they'll start end up starting in, in left and center. I'm not positive on that though. Um, if that ends up uh, if that ends up happening, I think it could probably be a fair deal. I'm, I think Cleveland might have done a good job selling high on Jake Bowers. I'm interested to see how their how their profiles translate to uh, to San Diego, but uh, but a but San Diego needed the offense. Cleveland needed the pitching. So I think it's a it's a good swap for uh, for what they each needed. Yeah, I think this was a, a strength for strength kind of deal. And like I said earlier, maybe that that term, good old fashioned hockey trade, that you can translate it to baseball here, uh, pitching for mm-hmm. for bats. Uh, and like you said, I am interested in seeing Jake Bowers and whether he can continue the type of output that he had in 2021, especially shifting to uh, San Diego from Cleveland. Uh, Tampa Bay and Cincinnati, uh, another pretty big deal. Trey Turner goes from the Cincinnati Reds to the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, Vidal Brujan and Sandy Gaston uh, go back to Cincinnati. Um, obviously, the Reds get the big-time prospect here. Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on this deal? Um, well, I'm logging this in like kind of the wait-and-see type category. I um... – I really like Brujan. I he had another. He was just kind of blocked last year and had an absolute absurd year in AAA. Um, I, honestly, I, straight up between Brujan and Turner, there's not. I don't even know who I'd prefer in that. I, I might take Brujan straight up. So, um, in my eyes, I'm going to side with with Cincinnati and what they did in this deal, acquiring both a, a younger option at um at second base and one i think is can profile very similarly offensively and then getting the prospect along with it but um hey if if turner has a big year at the top of that order for uh for tampa bay i could be very very wrong yeah the, this one when i saw it i was i i kind of agreed with you i was like you know i i don't know if i would move brujan for turner um but turner does have the ability to have that that big big time impact at the top of that Tampa Bay lineup. And if it, if it happens this year, if it happens next year and, and it puts Tampa Bay over the top, then it's worth it. But Definitely. whether, whether it happens or not, I don't know. Um, long-term though, which I think is what Tampa Bay should be looking at. Um, Brujan, he, he would just, he, he would have made a really nice pairing with uh, Wander Franco and then the other young talent that they have coming up in that Tampa Bay uh, infield. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on, Minnesota Twins. Uh, maybe maybe the biggest name to be moved this offseason. They acquire Javier Baez from the Chicago Cubs um, in exchange for a number of guys. What would you make of this one? Kind of a, a shock to me given the Twins' um, uh, 2021 finish. 
Yeah, uh, a a lot of a lot of salary going both ways. Baez obviously comes with a with a big contract, and and Odorizzi his ends a little sooner, but going back to Chicago and and uh, I think starting up his commercials in Chicago as soon as he got there. I think <laughs> yeah. I saw, but um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a nice um, short term boost for the the Twins. I mean, Baez is coming off a great twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, so. Um, at least in the short term, it's going to be a, a pretty nice value add. I, I'm very interested to see how that, uh, how that contract ages, um, kind of going into, I think it runs five more years, um, or at least four. So, um, going into Javi's thirties, I'm interested to see if, uh, if that becomes a, a burden for the twins. Um, and if the Cubs getting out of that contract made a, made a good, uh, a good decision there, but, um, I like it at least in this year for, for the twins. And if they want to compete, it's a good ad. If not, I'm not exactly positive with what they were going for there. Yeah. So Baez is owed four years, 80 million total. That's 20 million per season um, for the, for the remainder of the contract. Niles did, did say, I remember him saying in the chat that he thought the twins underperformed uh, this past season and with a little bit of luck and then the injuries as well. Um, he could see the Twins being right back in the thick of things. And if that's the case, adding a Javier Baez to your lineup and defensively at shortstop, uh, it, it could be the difference. Who knows? Um, Absolutely. But that, that glove, Baez, one of the best defensive shortstops in the National League. And that's where I think the Twins are going to benefit the most from with adding him because Orlando Arcia and then Jorge Polanco both uh, graded pretty poorly at shortstop. And we all know you need a good defender there. Uh, moving on, the San Diego Padres, they send the, the big slugger Josh Naylor to the Milwaukee Brewers in exchange for a few few prospects, three guys in total. Uh, Naylor, I don't know about you, but my scout absolutely loves him. Only 24 years old, uh, the big-time lefty bat. Doesn't doesn't project much in the field, probably a DH long-term. Um, any, any thoughts on Josh Naylor heading to the NL Central? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, uh, my scout um, likes him as well. I don't know if absolutely in love with him, but definitely likes the, the offensive profile, and he's coming off uh, a not a very good year split between the majors and, and AAA. Um, not really giving up anything of note. I mean, it's a solid return, but no no studs coming back to San Diego. I think it was easy for, for San Diego to do with, uh, with the Bowers and Mercado edition, at least in – um, and some combination of left field and DH there. So, um, hey, the Brewers, the Brewers could use another bat in that lineup, especially with uh, with Ruiz kind of leaving that spot after having a really good year for them and going to LA. So, um, a, a good pickup for uh, for Milwaukee trying to trying to keep themselves at the top of the Central. Yeah, I, I liked it. Um, I liked it for both teams. Honestly, I think. Naylor's time in San Diego had kind of run its course and then Milwaukee takes the gamble on them. Uh, I thought it was a good trade both sides. Um, but moving on, we're going to shift to the AL Central here. Uh, the, the Detroit Tigers, they make a couple, a couple of big additions. They start with Kevin Gaussman from your, your San Francisco Giants. And then they also add Alex Vesia to their bullpen. And then late in the offseason, they go out and they get Jake Fraley from the Seattle Mariners. Uh, we'll start with Gaussman, and I'll, I'll give you the floor here because you had the negotiations. Um, <laughs> what did what did you see from Gaussman, and why should Detroit be excited about him? I I mean I think Detroit should be very excited about him. I was I was very happy to get the the deal done with Nick. He's he's led the NL in innings pitched the last two years. He's gonna just eat innings up for them. He's uh, he'll he's not gonna wow anyone with strikeout numbers, but. Um, he, he's just going to grind for them and a, a perfect top of the rotation guy to just be a, a solid tone setter for them. So um, it was a good fit as he, you know, Nick wasn't asking for me to retain anything moving forward. I got two pretty solid prospects in return. Um, but if, you know, Detroit's on the rise, they, like we said, they got out of that Miggy money. So it was, uh, it was kind of burning a hole in their pocket and it was a, uh, it was a perfect situation for, for kind of what both of us were looking to do. Absolutely. Um, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say Vesia, a, a solid pin arm, and then the other one, Fraley. I'm interested to see what uh, uh, where Fraley lines up. He, can, he plays all three outfield positions well. I don't know if this will push Mullins to left and he'll line up in center, but um, 
at worst, he's a, he's a really nice fourth outfielder for them. Definitely. Uh, I do want to touch on Gosman real quick. Um, I, I know you mentioned he, he eats innings, but he, he does it. He's, he's not that, that back end inning eater guy, you know, to fill out your rotation. This is a legitimate top of the arm uh, guy, I think. And his mm-hmm. contract is very affordable, uh, at least two years, 30 million left on the deal. And then he's got that player opt out could wind up being four years, 60 million, all in all, 15 million per year for, for a guy that eats this many innings and produces the way he does. That's going to be a nice addition to this Detroit rotation that has a lot of young arms and they had the money to spend, like you said, with Miguel Cabrera coming off of the books. I'm very excited to see um, if Detroit takes that, even that next step in 2022, which I'm expecting them to. Um, and then Agreed. and then Jake Fraley, I know you mentioned, um, where is he possibly going to fit in at a uh, fourth outfielder at worst uh, big time year last year? I, I did, did not see it coming. Oh, 27 yeah. homers. Uh, I don't know where the power came from. Um, he can steal some bases. He's a terrific. It looks like just a, a good athlete, a great, great defender in left field. Um, pretty, pretty, pretty good deal for Detroit. I thought uh, adding him at the cost that they did. I thought Nick had a, a good off season all in all. And uh I'm excited to see how the Tigers uh, progress in 2022. All right. Uh, the Colorado Rockies, we're going to touch on their deal. They, they add Luis Castillo late in the offseason. They, they make a trade for him from the Cincinnati Reds. They send three, three starting pitching prospects – or I'm sorry, from the Chicago Cubs. Three starting pitching prospects mm-hmm. to the Cubs. Um, Castillo, pretty, uh, pretty friendly contract. What do you think of this deal? Yeah, exactly what I was going to touch on. It's a it's a very nice, affordable contract for a, for a pretty good starting pitcher. Um, I, I I and that probably warranted the return, which I really like going back to Chicago. All three of those guys are some pretty um, pretty fun arms that I'm interested to see how they end up developing. But hey, it's a pitcher going to Colorado, so it's uh, he's got an uphill battle <laughs> with with how pitchers have performed there. Um, He's not necessarily a, a ground ball guy, so I'm interested to see if he can um, continue the success and, and finally be a good option in a in a Rockies rotation that needs it. Absolutely, and, and if I know Hayden, Hayden always wants to win, uh, no matter how bad the Rockies may have been the previous season. He is going to try <laughs> to improve his team and get back to that postseason. And, and I think an even bigger goal for him is to knock off the Dodgers every year in the division. Um, Excited to see what he can do with Luis Castillo. Uh, I thought it was a, a great deal, both sides. I, I really like Eric Pardino going back to the Cubs. Um, yep. But uh, th- that contract that Luis Castillo is on, uh, you got to give up something to get him. Um, Justin, I thought, did well with the return. All right, let's shift to free agency. Um, I think the biggest name on the market was DJ LeMahieu, and he, he signed – Fairly late in the offseason, he hung around for a while. He ends up going to the the Houston Astros on a four-year deal, $86 million total the last year being a team option. He's 33 years old right now. He's almost 34. He'll be 34 in a couple of months. Uh, what do you make of the signing for DJ LeMahieu? Yeah, that's uh, it, it's a it, like you said, he's probably the best player on the market or at least probably the best bat on the market. Um and he's solid. It's not. It's not like a, a crazy wow you bat, but he's uh, he's going to be a solid, good average contact hitter. Um, it's a big, big number. I would I, I would take pretty good odds on that last year that team option not being utilized, um, given his age and the number. But um, at least in the short term, he'll be kind of right at the top of that Astros rotation uh, lineup. So it's a it's a good immediate boost. I'm not sure how it'll age, but. Um, at least for this year, he's going to be a big, big add to their offense. Yeah, you figure that 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 team option year, he'll be 37 years old. So it'll be interesting to look back on this in a couple of years. But uh, you know, fan favorite, he's going to bring the bring the fans to the to the ballpark. Um, he can he can shift around the infield really, first, second, and third. Looks like right now they're gonna they're gonna start him off at third base. Um, it'll be interesting in a couple of years what they do because I think their infield is going to get crowded pretty quickly. Uh, they have LeMahieu mm-hmm. locked up now. They have Jose Altuve at a big, big, uh, big number for the next three years. 
And then they have Bryce Terang and CJ Abrams both coming as well. Uh, Bryce Terang's already been here, and CJ Abrams looks like he, he's ready. So um, it'll, uh, I'm interested in seeing how Kevin uh, shapes his infield over the, the coming seasons. The Toronto Blue Jays, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about them. They, they get some big names, maybe some over-the-hill names, but they, they get them on short-term deals maybe overspent on them a little bit to get them to commit to the short-term deals. But when, when you think about, you know, the Corey Kluber, Starlin Castro, Evan Longoria, and they, they, they pair them with the Boba Shets and the, the Vlad juniors and Nate Pearson's um, what are you seeing from the Toronto off season? Yeah. I, I, like you said, I know it may have overpaid. I absolutely love, the the Kluber deal I think that the number is 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 high it's super high but they desperately needed another arm I, I think it it's super short term he can get out of it in a year so um I have no, I I was one of my favorite contracts despite it not being all that pretty just because of the, the need it fills for Toronto and and him just being a solid option there um Longoria like you mentioned just a, a one-year deal I'm not even sure if he'll start but you know he's a captain so it's a good locker room guy to to spend the money on if you have it um the Starling contract's probably my least favorite of the group um kind of a, a crazy out of nowhere year uh, a year ago for me um doesn't really play a, a great defensive second base so that uh that bat is gonna have to be is gonna have to be on point for him to make uh what's a pretty pricey contract um, 13 mil for the next two years. Um, make sure to make that pay off. Yeah, I, I love the Kluber deal. Much in agreement with you there. The, the Casher deal, um, like I said, I think he overspent or overpaid these guys, all of them really, uh, a tad bit. But the Jays are a big market team. Cam said that he had money to spend and there wasn't much on the market in terms of top tier talent. I don't mind the deals at all. I don't mind any of mm-hmm. them. Um, Starlin, a little head scratching. He had the bad 2020 where he was a negative one war player, and then he got off to the bad start in 2021 with the Nats before they released him. Goes to Detroit. Uh, obviously, he, he saves his value there, puts up a pretty, pretty good year in Detroit, and then the Jays pay him. Um, all in all, though, I, I liked what Cam did. I, I liked the contracts that he gave Agreed. out, uh, and, and I do expect – I know I said that last year, but I do expect the Jays to take a – a step forward this year from the 71 wins and hopefully challenge a little bit more in that wild card picture. Uh, let's, let's talk about the, the NL champions, the LA Dodgers um, that we already touched on. They added Corey Knable from the LA angels to their bullpen. Then they go out and they add Rysel Iglesias and Brad hand both to their bullpen, three big time arms coming to that LA bullpen to, to kind of lock down the, the late innings after that rotation wears you down. Um, what, what do you got for me on the LA Dodgers? How am I going to, how am I going to get past them this year? <laughs> Dude, I have no idea. It's ridiculous. I was, I mean, it literally may be the only hole you could find with them uh, was the bullpen and the bullpen was really good a year ago. I mean, these guys there, he's signing these guys to, to these nice contracts and um, you know, it, it I imagine that that Caleb Ferguson remains the closer. Castillo, who was great a year ago, is is going to be at the back end. So, um, I mean, it's just they they lose Kenley Jansen, who is was was kind of fading a bit, but still had a good year, and they replace him. And I mean, Brad Hand is an absolute weapon. Knievel's great. Iglesias is solid too. So, um, literally, maybe the only slight hole on this team they went and they just they they absolutely filled it to the brim so um yeah <laughs> made the moves he wanted to and it's a it's a good looking team I'm, I'm i'm sorry to say yeah it's uh they have to be the the overwhelming favorites in the national league coming into the year obviously injuries and whatnot can can change things and then you know who's to say that dustin may doesn't regress but right now la dodgers man it's it's a stacked team top to bottom and the bullpen yeah. might be the best in baseball now. Who knows? <laughs> um, it's crazy. Let's let's shift to my division rivals, the New York Mets. Uh, I know we talked in the preview, the division preview pod last year, that I thought their offense was lacking. Um, I know I mentioned it in the pod. Uh, Conforto had the big twenty twenty. 
Um, not as big of a season in 2021. And then Alonzo as well. They, they go out, they add Mark Canha and Jorge Soler, a couple of right-handed bats, um, power bats. Uh, what'd you think of the, the two signings for the Mets? Oh boy. I, I don't know. They're, those are big, big numbers. I am. Um, I mean, they needed offense. So at least they, you know, they, they saw the need, they, they went after it and tried to fill it. I, I'm not sure it's the, the division with, with both your Braves and the Phillies and, um, it, it, it's tough at the top to, to kind of try to crack that. I don't know if they're big enough value adds to, to provide that bump. And I'm not sure how these contracts are going to age come year uh, two and three of them. So um, if they pay off this year and it, it turns that offense around quickly, it's, it's a good win, but I'm interested to see into 2023 and, and beyond how, how those age for them. So I, I liked the Kane house signing. I will say that I, I like his versatility. Um, I didn't mind the AAV on the deal. And then the, the, the third year being the team option, he can get out of it. I thought that was a pretty fair contract given the production that he just had. Um, he can hit the, hit the long ball. The Jorge Soler contract, I'm not as big of a fan of um, simply because he, you can't play him in the outfield. He's, he's strictly a bat mm-hmm. and I'm not even sold on the bat, uh, even getting back to the levels that he was in 2020 and 21. Um, I guess it'll be a wait and see kind of thing for, for the Mets on this one, but overall uh, kind of wishy-washy in, in, in my eyes. Um, I like the can not, not a fan of the solar contract. All right, let's, let's, uh, let's shift to your San Francisco giants. We're going to, I know you were pretty excited. They got a bullet point. Um, it was pretty exciting. <laughs> yes. I, I was pretty excited to see you spend on, uh, Adam Eaton and then Freddie Galvis late in the off season. And then obviously you have the prospects coming. Uh, what'd you see with Eaton? What'd you see with Galvis and why'd you go after him? Uh, I mean, shoot, there was a, I mean, we, we, there was a ton of bad contracts off the books. I mean, uh, Belt gets off the books. Crawford gets off the books. We move out of the Gosman money. So, you know, I come into free agency looking at 80 million and just try <laughs> to not, you know, mess it up and sign some horrible deals. But, um, Eden was was kind of the big target. Uh, we the offense just was flat out terrible a year ago, um, and, and really like his. You know, he's the guy who obviously the numbers are a little in, inflated from playing in Colorado, but um, at least a guy that you know in twenty twenty was a, a three thirty hitter as well. So um, a guy I can hope will hit. You know, hopefully close to three hundred at the top of the order. Um, thought the deal was. Was, was pretty affordable, uh, a 10 million this year, 5 million next, and then um, back to 10 million for year three. We'll see if he gets bought out or not there. But um, that was a pretty easy one for me to sign. I was excited to get that one done. And then um, Galvis, too, just a, a good solid shortstop when it had some money left over. I'm not sold on um, Dubone at short. So um, at least in the short term before. Um, some of the replacements are ready at the position. I, uh, I can get him in there, and he's a good, uh, good personality for the locker room. Spent some money on some bum starting pitchers too, so it was, it was spread all out. But uh, not sure how it's going to line up and if we're going to be actually any better, but some good veteran presences to add to, uh, to like, like you said, a bunch of prospects. Uh, I really love the addition of Adam Eaton for the top of your lineup, and I was happy to see Freddie Galvis get a contract because – he was sitting there late in free agency, and, and like you said, you weren't sold on Mauricio Dubon. Um, I'm excited that Galvis is going to get a chance to start because he has value. He's coming off a three-war season uh, in Oakland, and he's a terrific defensive shortstop. And like you said, he's going to put he's going to put fans in the seats. He's a terrific locker room guy. Um, glad he's going to get an opportunity. And I think that contract's going to pay dividends for you. Um, maybe maybe you know come the deadline or this off season if somebody's looking for a shortstop and. You might, might be able to flip them. And I forgot about your starting pitching uh, that you went out and got. You got Tony Gonsolin. You got Brock yep. Burke, who was released by the yep. Texas Rangers. Um, you gave Burke a pretty pretty nice uh, major league deal. Do you want to <laughs> do you want to touch on those guys real quick? Yeah, M- Michael Fulmer as well, who led the NL losses a year ago from throwing <laughs> ball in there. But uh, but yeah, they'll probably all three end up in the in the maybe not Gonsolin, but at least those two. Um, really liked 
uh, liked Burke's profile. Um, at least he grades out super well for me. He's coming off a year where he's om- split between AAA and, and Texas, or he's almost a four-win player. So um, I, I front-loaded the crap out of that contract, so it hits me a little hard this year, but it kind of trends downward as he hits his prime. So hopefully come his – uh, age 28 season when he's when he's really nice it'll it'll be a look like a steal but I agreed obviously paid a ton for it um, like Fulmer a lot I was a big fan of getting him on that cheap deal I think he's gonna um, be better in in San Francisco than uh, than people think so um, needed some needed some starting pitching desperately and and uh, yeah try to fill some so holes. Brock Burke is a head scratcher not 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 the player himself uh, terrific young arm lefty um, I love the signing, but why he was released by Texas, I'm not sure. Uh, coming off a, mm-hmm. a, a, a split season in AAA in the major leagues, he finishes just under two war and 16 starts with the Rangers. Um, I, I don't have his information right in front of me, but I have to think he was making the league minimum. Um, head scratcher as to why he was even available in the first place, but glad the Giants got him. All right, best free agent signing contract value wise, who who are you going with here? Uh, I you know I can't I can't limit these to one. I have such a such an issue limiting these to one, so I have two. Um, one, one pitcher and one bat. The the pitcher is Zach Davies in uh, in St. Louis. It's a it's a one year four million dollar deal um, for a guy who went thirteen and four for the Angels a year ago. Um, he, I imagine he he slides in kind of the as the fifth starter for them, but just think he's a like maybe just a just a perfect innings eater for them. And um, if he has just kind of around a, a four ERA again for St. Louis, that's an amazing get at the uh, at the back of the rotation. Definitely, D- Davies was um, uh, he sat around late into the late into the off season, just like Galvis and a couple other guys, and uh, St. Louis scoops him up right at the beginning of spring training. Love the, love the, uh, the value there. Who else do you got? Yeah. The other one I'm going to, uh, I'm, I'm going to shout out you and your Braves for, and it's, it's Tommy Pham who um, I think, and I'm not positive, you know, better than I will, will probably be the, uh, at least close to a starting left fielder or DH most days. Um coming off a very down year in San Diego where he's basically a, a net zero war player, but um, two really nice seasons before that. It's a, it's a nice profile and just on a, a cheap uh, one year, $2 million deal. I think it's a, a super nice get for the, uh, for the Braves. Uh, yeah. So fam, uh, I signed him pretty early in the off season. I was shocked to see him sign as early as he did. Uh, he, he will be the left fielder. Um, most days, I'm going to get Austin Riley in there a little bit as well. But uh, w- when I saw Fam and I looked at his numbers, and I, I saw a low BABIP for 2021, and like you said, he had the disappointing season. But is it BABIP related? Probably. I'm expecting a a bit of a bounce back. Um, maybe not to his 2019 numbers, but I I think he could replicate his 2020 season at the very least. Um, Mm -hmm. so I was excited to get him and then getting it done as early in the all season as it did get done, uh, was a real plus for me. All right. Most impactful free agent signing for 2022. Yeah. So again, I have two, um, the first one is the 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 international Hayseong Kim who, uh, who signs with the, uh, signs with the angels, um, he looks like he's, you know, he's a, he's a young, fun shortstop. He coming off some bananas numbers in the, in the KVO, but um, looks like he's going to hit the top of that order. Um, it, it's a big, it's a big contract. And for a, a team looking to, to make the jump in the AL, he's going to be a, a pretty big deal for them. Um, the, the other one I had is, is Jerks and Profar for the, for the Phillies, another big, big contract um, there, but uh, a guy coming off a, a really, really nice 2021 in Cleveland. Um, and if he replicates those numbers, the Phillies got a, a really nice switch hitting option at the start of at the top of their lineup as well. Uh, very excited to see how Kim performs over in the, in the States. Um, love, love the signing for the angels. And that, that was done very early in the off season. Uh, mm-hmm. Profar 
Do you think he replicates his 2021 season? Um, three. Uh, I don't think the average is going to be quite as high. I, I think he's probably a three-war player again. I think – I mean, he only played 118 games, so probably battled some injuries there. I, I, thought, I can't remember correctly, but um, – yeah, have to think he's a he's a three war player. The the defense obviously worries you a bit. So, um, not a great defensive second or first baseman, whether wherever he lines up. So, um, yeah, I I don't know if he's quite there, but I think he's going to be a, at least a big deal for the Phillies if they want to get back to the postseason. Yeah, it looks like it looks like Ryan has uh, Profar lined up as a second baseman right now, um, hitting second in that Philadelphia lineup too, which I'm looking at, and it looks pretty deep <laughs> i wasn't i wasn't aware mm-hmm. that it was as deep as it is i'm looking <laughs> at it right now I'm like, oh man that might be a problem <laughs> um all right so pro far kim and now we're going to get to the opposite end the the biggest head scratcher of a free agent signing um we touched on the the lemay one at the top and that was close to making this list just because i'm not sure how it ages for for like we've touched on with with Houston and the talent they have in that middle infield and, and the aging talent versus the very young talent. So um, not sure if they were the team to sign him, but uh, the other year, the other deal was, was Justin Turner signing with the, uh, with the nationals. I, I just, I assume he's going to be their, their DH um, just because he can't play the field very well. Um, but it's not even that, that great of an offensive profile. He's, he's coming off of just a, you know, he was good in Colorado, horrible in San Diego once he moved out of those confines and 37, obviously not getting younger. So um, paying him $10 million to, uh, to I assume, be their everyday DH, but I'm not sure if he's going to, uh, to quite be as successful as they need him to. Yeah, Turner, I think I think he's at the end. Um, the, the numbers that he had in San Diego after after leaving Coors are pretty, uh, pretty eye-popping. Um, Looks like he's going to get one more go of things in Washington. It could be the end, though. Um, I agree with you. A little, little bit of a head-scratcher, especially since they already had Josh Donaldson, who I think is best served as a DH at this point um, in his career. Uh, let's let's touch on the Rule 5 draft. Uh, we, we saw multiple names get selected. Some of them have already been returned since the uh, draft conducted. Uh, any Any names to watch for the 2022 season? Yeah, none of my four have come back, so still waiting for those. Um, but, uh, uh, I, I mean, the, the first one I have is mine, and it's Grayson Janista, who I got from the uh, the Rays. I, as of now, he's going to be my, my DH. Um, so an everyday player kind of right away. And um, I, I like his offensive profile. It's it's really fun. Um He's, uh, you know, just a. I mean, he was in your brave system, so you know him well. It's a, it's a big power bat, so um, not hitting the ball very great this spring, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, you know, for a guy who had some really nice minor league numbers, a um, couple other ones are, are Scott Engler, who, um, you know, when we did our AFL teams, I got him from uh, from Texas to be on our team. So, uh, you know, he's a he's a high movement guy, which is nice to have in, in Colorado. And, and he flashes some back end ability. So excited to see what, what he could do there. And and when they're desperate for any pitchers, you can come and get consistent outs. Um, and then the last one I have is Sandro Fabian, who came from my Giants to uh, to Chicago, the Cubs, um, you know, and the Cubs in a little bit of a transition rebuild. It, it looks like a guy who could start for them. And he's a great personality for the locker room and, and a good guy so um, interested to see how he hits at the major league level after you know being just pretty average at, in double a a year ago but um, I think he's he could be a good guy for the Cubs yeah so. your, your Giants took a little bit of a hit in this in this draft um, we'll have to see if uh, come, come tomorrow when I import the files if any of these guys don't make that major league roster and get returned <laughs> to San Francisco uh, real quick Janista uh, I don't know what happened with him. Um, I had given up on him. That's why I, I moved him in the deal for Satsugo. And you can look at his numbers in 2020 with my Braves at AA, and they were just pitiful. Uh, he was hitting under 200. He was a negative war player. Yeah, 23 years old in AA. I was like, eh, you know, this is a guy I can probably move, move on from. Goes to Tampa Bay and figures it out. Uh, he, he's torn the cover off the ball. 
in their minor league system um, in 2021. And then now he's going to finally get the, the opportunity at the major league level. So I'll definitely be keeping close tabs on him. Hope he, I hope he makes it for you because he's a prospect that in real life, I, I really liked at one point. Um, doesn't look like he's going to make it for the real life Braves though. All right, let's wrap it up. Uh, final, final bullet point. Uh, three winners, three losers of the off season. Um, let, let, let's start with the losers so we can end on a high note. Uh, who, who do you have disappointing off seasons? Uh, yeah, the, the first one I have is, is the Astros. Um, just, just cause I'm not sure on the, on the overall strategy for them. I wish they would, would pick an angle. I wish, you know, you'd look at some of these aging guys and I, I would hope they would try to start getting out of them to, acquire a core around guys who we touched on like you know Terang and uh, Abrams and Jordan Alvarez but um, go out you spend a lot of money on DJ LeMahieu probably blocking those guys um, at least Abrams in the short term so um, just, just you know not sure on the strategy if they they come and decide to win some games this year hey it, it, it's good and pays off but um, for a team kind of in a transitional period I wish they would have gone one more one way or the other. Um, the, the second one I had is the nationals, um, obviously a, a tough hill to climb over Atlanta and, and Philadelphia to- at the top of the East. And even the, even the Mets to, who made moves, I wasn't a huge fan of the moves, but they made big ads to the offense. Um, it's starting to kind of look like it needs to be a, a little bit of a rebuild for the nationals. And, uh, I just wasn't a huge fan of the, the ads and what they do for them in the short term. Um, and the final one is it, this was tough. There wasn't wasn't a lot of bad ones, but the last one is 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 Oakland. I have and we haven't touched on them really, um, but it, it's a team who I'm not sure of their financial constraints. So all this could be with a grain of salt if they're up against the number or whatever. But um, you know, a, a team we thought should be in the playoffs a year ago, um, and that they were right there. They weren't too far off. Um, it, it, not that the, the angels are necessarily worse than they are a year ago, but it's a ton of turnover there. And you see the team above you making moves. I wish they would have tried a little more to, to add to a very nice young core that I like a lot, but, um, just due to a lack of movement, I wasn't a huge fan of, of Oakland kind of standing pat. Yeah. Uh, just uh, quick clarity. Uh, Oakland is right, ag- right up against their, their, uh, budget as of right now. Um, and I, I know that they, or Andy has made uh, even names like Frankie Montas and uh, a couple other fairly big names uh, available in trades. Um, it's always a, always a franchise that's going to be up against the budget. Um, talking about Washington, mm-hmm. Keith, Keith comes on at the beginning of the off season, kind of took some time. I feel like to, to get to know the organization and now he's kind of wheeling and dealing a little bit. Um, uh, interested to see, where he goes. He, he did make the announcement earlier, I think today that the nationals are going to shift to a rebuild. And I know I saw Strasburg's name and a couple other, I think Patrick Corbin was on the block. So uh, we'll see, we'll see what he can do over the course of the season, how he reshapes um, that Washington franchise. Uh, let's, let's shift to the the winners of the off season. We'll, we'll end this pod on a high note. What do you got for our 2022 off season winners? Yeah, got to start with the Angels. I mean, I, I, I don't know necessarily if the, the team's in a better place than they were a year ago. Maybe they are, but it, it had to be fun for, for the offseason. So um, just in terms of uh, of pure enjoyment and making moves and, and, and you know, shifting everything around, I think it, it was a, a very fun offseason for the Angels. Um, the second is the Dodgers. You know, they were my – preseason favorite a year ago you look at kind of the only hole they might have in that bullpen and they 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 fill it up completely with some some big names back there so um didn't have to do a lot with uh with the dodgers but uh the moves they made i think were were absolutely perfect and they're poised for for another really good season and um yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna shout myself out for the last (laughs) one the giants with a great offseason um, we get a nice return for, for Kevin Gosman, uh, get to see him go to a, a team that's contending, which is, which is good for him. Um, the, the young core is getting, is getting better. We get, we get a couple nice or one nice rule five pick. 
some fun vets sign, and then we uh, we go out and decide to win the draft lottery. <laughs> so all in all, a, a pretty a pretty good offseason. Yeah, for didn't us. even touch on the draft lottery, which I, I think we'll have to <laughs> we'll have to get back together to discuss the uh, the amateur draft. Um, yeah, I agree with all three of those teams. Uh, we, we touched on all of them already. The Angels with the the flurry of trades, the Dodgers, the the did they get that lockdown bullpen? I mean, I guess overall, I'd have to give the Dodgers the number one spot because they're trying to they're trying to get that World Series title. They go out, they address their their biggest need biggest need for concern in that bullpen. They get three lockdown arms. Um, hard to argue with them. Uh, your Giants had a terrific offseason, which we we already touched on. Um, one other team that I really like, or two other teams, I should say, that I really liked. Uh, I liked what the Detroit Tigers did with the money that they had become available, adding Kevin Gaussman, who we already touched on, and then the Toronto Blue Jays as well, which we touched on again. Uh, Tyler. Yep, Toronto was just missed my cut as well, so I'm, I'm very Definitely. much with you there. Uh, Tyler, that was fun. Uh, we're, we're, we're over an hour now um, of, of the uh, <laughs> off-season content. Uh, anything else you'd like to add before before we wrap things up? No, that was uh, that was super enjoyable. I'm looking forward to uh, getting into previewing uh, 2022. Like I said, we'll have to we'll have to get back together soon, and we'll we'll get those uh, preview podcasts out, and uh, we'll we'll do this again soon. Tyler, thank you for coming on with me and uh, providing all the content. Like I said, over an hour. I hope everybody.